Hey, welcome to Do Theology episode number dose. Hey, I'm everybody. Jeremy Howard. I and live I am, in Utah. And I'm Ken Chipchase. And I and do not live in me. Utah. Yeah, I do that. Calvinism is much false doctrine as a woman preacher. Well, of course, in fundamentalism, you define everything as a gospel issue. This is a true mark of Christian maturity to discern the difference of issues. I got an idea. Let's not one with anybody who thinks they got another idea. There's a lot of different understandings of what the days are in Genesis 1 and to what degree evolution was part of how God created things. I have disagreements with him in some areas, but those are adiaphora, those are side issues, many important issues. So many Bible doctrines are ruined when we use the wrong words. This is why it's so critical that we use only the King James Bible. You gotta have that right or get out of here. Pray God that I don't take every minor thing and make a major thing out of it. Nothing divides like truth. I respect them as brothers in the Lord with whom I have some strong differences, but they have a big problem with me. Is there a way that we can work together? I think fundamentally we have to say yes. Christians can disagree and still kick it. We are here to discuss two very related topics, sola scriptura and tota scriptura as it pertains to uh, doctrine and theology and how we understand um, the different uh, degrees and levels of doctrine and theology. So this is a very important place to start, obviously, because as Christians, our foundation for all of what we understand about life and the way we should live and about who God is, about who we are, comes from Scripture. So um, let's just start with some definitions on sola scriptura, and then maybe we'll talk about tota scriptura after that. And that makes sense? Yep. Um, I've got gotquestions.org pulled up, which uh, is a great resource. And it was created by someone who went to our school. Yeah. Calvary Bible College and Theological Seminary. As it was called back in the day. Yes. Yes. The artist formerly known as Calvary Bible College, which is (laughs) now Calvary University. Um, But the guy who created this created in the late 90s. And uh, I actually used it as an unbeliever. I didn't get saved until 2006. And I started using this in the late 90s emailing my questions in and getting really back. Yeah. Before it was formatted this way. How about another, that? another unbeliever at my school, this was when I was in, I guess, middle school or whatever. Um, she told me about it and, uh, cause I was not very Christian and she thought she was. And so she said, why don't you just go to that website? And, uh, I did. Huh. And yeah, it's kind of a weird story. What kind of question did you ask? I don't know. I actually recently tried getting back into my old Hotmail account and oh. I failed. I didn't pass all the security measures. They, it's way too stringent. Oh, so, dear. Which it would have been frightening to get back in there anyway. <laughs> yeah. Tigerballer underscore 12 at Hotmail.com. So, yep. I played basketball for the Tigers and I was number 12. I had an underscore. It was cool. So send all your hate mail there. Anyway, uh, they answer the question on gotquestions.org. What is the doctrine of the sufficiency of Scripture? And it says in its opening paragraph, the doctrine of the sufficiency of Scripture is a fundamental tenet of the Christian faith. To say the Scriptures are sufficient means that the Bible is all we need to equip us for a life of faith and service. And I believe you said you got the 
the old Westminster fired up there, huh? I do. Yeah. Probably uses bigger words. Uh, actually not so much. I mean, there's a couple that maybe I'll just read it. Uh, it's a, it's a longer paragraph, but the whole council of God concern, the whole council of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory, man's salvation, faith, and life is either expressly set down in scripture or by good and necessary consequence may be deduced from scripture unto which nothing at any time is to be added, whether by new revelations of the spirit or traditions of men. Nevertheless, we acknowledge the inward illumination of the spirit of God to be necessary for the saving understanding of such things as are revealed in the word and that there are some circumstances concerning the worship of God and government of the church common to human actions and societies, which are to be ordered by the light of nature and Christian prudence, according to the general rules of the word, which are always to be observed. Okay, and I will just read the first sentence, oh, maybe not even the whole first sentence, because that's a long sentence, of the 1689 London Baptist Confession, since we would agree more with the uh, the Baptist version of the Westminster. <laughs> um, of course, very similar, but um, it says, Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. Uh, and then it goes on and says some of the same things as the Westminster, although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence uh, do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God so as to leave men inexcusable, yet they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and his will, which is necessary unto salvation. Mm-hmm. So pretty similar. Um, but yeah, I, so some of the things to draw out of these three uh, resources that we just called upon. Um, one, I liked the what it said in the Got Questions article. Um, the Bible is all we need. I like that phrase. Um, and of course, sufficiency of scripture, the word sufficiency means, uh, you know, that it's all that someone needs, which is what the two confessions say too. And, um, and that's drawing what? from second Peter chapter one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, second Peter chapter one, verse three, his divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And just 16 verses later, he details that we have the prophecy made more sure. Yeah. Um, the word of God. So, so how, why do you suppose this is critical in our conversations about, um, about what is most important of first importance of second importance uh, when it comes to doctrine? Well, it's super critical as it, when it comes to how we define what belongs in those categories that we let scripture define what goes in those categories that those, I mean, those um, you know, we've, you know, we're, we're formulating things in, in the sense of three columns. Um, but you know, those principles of there being something, some things being weightier than other things. That's a principle that we can draw from scripture itself and scripture itself helps us understand what goes in each category. And it's not something that we're just trying to figure out on our own. It's not something that we're imposing upon the text or just like, well, I just think this is more important. Yeah. What does the Bible say? And I, and I think that's where so many people go wrong and not just, um, not just people who are cultists or people who are 
hyper whatever ism you want to throw out there, but just well-intentioned, good, good uh, doctrine people mm-hmm. who uh, maybe just don't even fully understand that scripture does define in its own terms. I think I asked, or part of the question that I just posed to you was determining what doctrines are of first importance. And that phrase, of course, is a biblical phrase. First Corinthians right. 15, Paul says, I declared to you what was of first importance. And, uh, and so there's a lot to see within Scripture itself as to what is primary and, uh, and what is not. And if we believe in the sufficiency of Scripture, truly, then Scripture will guide us as we, as we endeavor to discover what is most critical Absolutely. Um, and definitional to the Christian life. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, you know, and there, there might be some people listening that, okay, so that, that phrase of first importance, you know, that's, that's more, more modern rendering of that first Corinthians uh, 16 passage, right? In the, in the old King James or even the new King James, it'll say, uh, I declared to you first of all. Um, but I think our argument would be that that, that that's how that should be understood is that it is a matter of, it's not just, Oh, Paul just happened to say these things first. It's like, no, he declared them first because they were of first importance. Um, and so that, that's that the Greek word, therefore, uh, first carries the idea of priority, not just in time, but in, in weight and significance. So definitely want to, uh, um, to mention that. Because I've yeah. I've had pushback on that phrase. I don't know if you have or not. Um, when no. I was having a yeah, so you know I definitely grew up in much more fundamentalist culture, right? Uh, and I would still um, I would still say I am in fundamentalist uh, circles, you know. And um, and and the definition wanna, of fundamentalist really uh, plays a big such, part. In. Yeah, it is. So it's not you know, it's not you know you're what people typically think of like an independent fundamentalist Baptist. Um, it's not like that, but um, fundamentals in the sense of holding to the fundamentals of the faith. But I do, and I have seen and have experienced in my own life and, and honestly still have to weed out of my own life at times tendency towards legalism. Um, but now we're getting down a road on fundamentalism mm-hmm. that we don't need to go down yeah, on. We'll, we'll come back to it eventually. We will. Yeah. Because it's germane to this conversation. Um, it in, uh, but, um, now what was I even talking about? <laughs> First importance. First importance. Right. So, um, there's just the, there's a tendency, I believe in the, in the more fundamentalist circles or even just in the conservative side of things to elevate things out of, you know, out of second and third columns into the first column. And I think it's the tendency of, of more uh, liberal leaning, theologically liberal leaning to bring things out of the first column and down into the second or third columns. Um, and to, in, t- in conversations with individuals within fundamentalist circles, I say, oh yeah, well, well, Paul said, even Paul says that some things are of first importance. And the immediate reply is, oh, Paul didn't say that. He said mm-hmm. he declared to them first of all, but he didn't say they were of first importance. And the yeah. implication is, is that nothing is more or less important. If it's truth that God revealed, it is all of first importance. So, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh man, so much to say, but we will yeah. talk about this uh, soon enough. I, this is actually, why we're having these conversations. Yeah. In, in right. Anyways. Yeah. Well, I, I actually pulled up um, while you were talking about that, I pulled up um, on Google Docs one of the chapters that I haven't touched in months for the book that we're going to write on this before we die. And, uh, <laughs> um, cause I, I went through and I did just a real, I, there's still a lot more work to do, but I've done a, a basic word study on the word that Paul uses there in first Corinthians 15, which is protois in the Greek. And, uh, what's interesting, I'll just read from the text that I have here in this draft. Um, this particular conjugation of the common New Testament adjective protos is used a total of two times in the Greek text. The other occurrence is surprising, found in Mark 6.21, where the gospel record describes the guests at King Herod's birthday banquet. In attendance were nobles, military leaders, and leading men, or protois. Hmm. In the ISV, the International Standard Version, which is a pretty harsh literal translation, it renders the description of these men as the most important people. So um, that's clearly the idea. Uh, it's So you could say doctrines of first importance, or you could say leading doctrines, right? Yeah. yeah. Protoys first. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Yeah. So um, scripture itself speaks of things that are primary over and against things that are not. Um, yeah. And so the sufficiency of scripture certainly plays into this conversation. And we have to start with the baseline too, just because we don't know who's listening or what worldview they're bringing to this. But um, just to reiterate and to make clear, we do believe that the whole uh, Holy Scripture is holy, meaning that it was inspired, that it is without flaw, Mm-hmm. Um, that in the, its original form, it's pristine, perfect, and pure. Um, now, we don't have those original documents anymore, but through the translation process, God's sovereign hand was over it all, and we have in our hands and on our tablets or wherever we're looking at Scripture, we have um, in front of us what is the Word of God that instructs, instructs us, and we can rightly say it is infallible. Um, as long as we have a balanced view of textual criticism and, and church history and everything else. Um, so we believe that when we preach from scripture, we are preaching um, from God's God's word. We're not preaching something that uh, man has tampered with in such a way that it has superseded the sovereign desire of God, but that God has preserved for us uh, his word in that we can read it and we can understand it and we can um, receive revelation from God in that way. Amen. So, that Amen. clear enough? Yeah. What about uh, Toda Scriptura? Toda Scriptura. I don't have a uh, Westminster Confession of Faith on that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, in some ways it is somewhat covered um, where in the, in that, uh, in that actually in the entry where it says that nothing is to be added um, or taken away. Right. Yeah. And and that's so sufficiency of scripture is nothing is to be added essentially. Mm. And total scriptura is that nothing is to be taken Taken away. away. The way we can view that is, um, sufficiency of scripture means we don't need any new revelation. No one needs to have a prophecy. No one needs to hear from God again, but what we have in the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible is sufficient 
for living the Christian life, a life that's set apart for God's glory. Toda Scriptura is um, we need all of it. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so it's not like, oh, we just need Paul or, oh, we just need the Torah and Jesus. Um, we actually need all of it, all 66. Um, so Toda Scriptura defends against the notion that um, a portion of the 66 books is sufficient. It says all 66 books are needed for the sufficiency of Scripture. Going in the dark there, motion lights. Yeah. <laughs> now he's back. <laughs> so um, here's a, I, I haven't even read through this yet. This is again from Got Questions because they're really good at summarizing this stuff. Tota Scriptura and its companion phrase, Sola Scriptura, are ways of stating a belief in the inspiration, authority, and completeness of God's word. When someone lays claim to uh, Tota Scriptura, he is saying that the entire Bible is equally inspired by God. So, yeah. Amen. Amen. So we have, we affirm that one too. Yeah. So what's the, uh, you know, when, when people, when we talk about, you know, sola scriptura um, and what it means for us, okay, it means that everything we need to live the Christian life is there for us in God's word. Right. And, and, and it's, I think it's helpful to even just explain a little bit about what, you know, maybe what we mean by that. Um, Cause there are some people that are going to be like, well, yeah, I, but it doesn't tell me how to be, it doesn't tell me how to be a plumber. Right. Well, yeah, it does though. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't tell you, it doesn't tell you how to, you know, make sure that your drains drain properly or whatever, but it does tell you how to be, a plumber that glorifies God in how you conduct yourself. And that's, yeah. that's really the big part of what we mean by uh, sola scriptura. Right. Well, and, and as it pertains to levels of doctrine and um, importance that we place on our convictions, um, particularly getting into the third column, mm-hmm. which is you know, all conscience issues. Um, yeah. Scripture leaves room for different lifestyles and scripture leaves room for different interpretations of things. And, um, but but there are principles in scripture that apply across the board, particularly just be wise. Right. Um, be wise and honor God, seek first the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, as long as those things are in front of you, we'll still end up choosing different things and having different convictions on things. Uh, which is an amazing thing to think about, but at the same time, we will um, not be in sin, and one of us won't be right, and one of us won't be wrong. So, um, so yeah, it gets really hairy, doesn't it? It can, yeah, it definitely can. And which, which is what makes the commitment all the more important. You know, it's not something that we can. Oh yeah, I'm I'm going to hold to it where I like it, but then abandon it where I don't. Right. Yeah, because uh, we are obviously we're bound by Scripture when Scripture clearly states um, this is right or this is wrong. God, God speaking to us through His revelation, this is good or this is evil. Mm-hmm. We're bound by that totally. Um, so, does that mean the internet is good or evil? 
right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, obviously God hasn't, hasn't chosen to speak about whether the internet is good or evil. Um, he hasn't chosen to uh, tell us with a very clear line of demarcation whether we should have any alcohol or not, whether we should wear certain clothes or not, whether we should listen to certain music or not, um, the, all the way down the line with so many things that we do in our daily life, he hasn't revealed in grand detail. So uh, what we do then is we show grace to one another, but we, we develop convictions uh, mm. based on it, right? So we, we read and study the word of God and develop some sort of conviction uh, because we need to not just be ignorant ignorant Christians who just walk through this life doing whatever we want because we don't even know any better, but we need to read and study and, uh, submit to wise counsel and, uh, and let God be your judge. That's right. Which is tough. It's a tough thing to do. Oh yeah. And and it's tough to not let, when I, when I develop those convictions and their convictions for myself to not Mm be in, in, you know, imposing those upon others, you know, and that's yes. sola scriptura will guard us against that. If, yeah. If consistently applied. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And consistency is always the difficulty, but it should be every Christian's aim. Um, you know, thinking about what scripture has said on these things, you know, if we believe scripture is sufficient, like we've been saying, uh, our instruction in these matters is who are you to judge the servant of another? <laughs> yeah. Who are you to judge? Which, um, obviously can be ripped out of context and used in all sorts of terrible ways, but that's the principle that is there um, is that, you know, let, let no one keep defrauding you of, of mm-hmm. you, of your prize, the freedom that we have in Christ, let no one defraud you. So it's good stuff. Amen. A lot more to say about all that, but yeah, we should probably stay somewhat on topic. Yeah. Well, we're, uh, we are, uh, running low on time here too. So we're, um, I don't know if we want to, that seems like a reasonable place to wrap up. Is you have any final thoughts on any of that or? Well, I mean, so when it comes to scripture, this is, this is obviously where we start and where we end. And, uh, if we start having conversations that don't start and end with scripture, then all we're doing is just waxing eloquent based on our own philosophies. And um, that's a bad place to be. So, so we just want to set these things forth as a definition um, and as the guardrails for our conversation. And um, this is our accountability that we always appeal to scripture. And some of this stuff will get really difficult, mm-hmm. right? Cause scripture oh, yeah. doesn't, scripture doesn't talk about uh, the differences between Arminianism and Calvinism. <laughs> Uh, so when we, when determining within those systems, what is primary, what is secondary and what is tertiary, uh, well, scripture doesn't directly say, but we should always appeal to it for any, um, anything that we say, we should always be backed up in some way, shape or form with scripture. So, yeah. And be willing, be willing to be honest, you know, about, those convictions, you know, and, and all of that and, and be willing to say, okay, this is, you know, where, where everything falls and being honest about, uh, about that process and not mm-hmm. overstating, not overstating a case. So, yeah. Cause it's really easy. 
Um, I mean, we've all, a lot of us have seen the clips of the preachers who get up and say, this, 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 this is the way it should be. This is the way it should be. This is the way it should be. And sometimes even using scripture, but not bothering to give any context or any justification as to why that scripture applies to this situation. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to do that either. And so right. consistency in balance and just honoring God with his word is our, is our goal, not to abuse people with it. So. Yeah. And that's where, and that, that, I mean, yeah, that's open, would open up a whole nother topic. Um, but that's, that's where those hermeneutics, you know, really come into play our, our method of, of understanding and interpreting the scriptures, um, and consistency in that. But. Yep. And that's so. it. I think that's a wrap for episode number dose. I think so. Goodbye. Bye. Click, click.